It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Brady Trantham, and for the next 30 minutes or so, you will be Locked On Thunder. Now, back when I started doing this podcast a few months ago, I tried to do like a guest every Wednesday, and for the first few weeks, it was pretty good, but it's basketball season, and it's it's not a sport that you could easily like make a strict schedule and stick to it now i'm sure some people can and those people are way more talented than i am but basically the whole point of this is I'm, i don't have a guest on wednesday i have a guest on monday the thunder the last time we saw the thunder they were being taken back behind the woodshed uh, by Giannis Antetokounmpo by 47 points they've had a few days off they've had a few days of practice they've got the la clippers paul george coming back to town tomorrow night in oklahoma city so i thought well i've had maddie lee from the oklahoman I've had Barry Trammell on from the Oklahoman. Haven't had Joe Masato. And so Joe now joins me on the Locked on Thunder podcast. Joe, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I'm very happy to be here with you, but those are very tough acts to follow, so I will do my absolute best. No, 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 no. I, I tr- so the whole thing with, like, trying to get guests and everything, like, you want to, like, space everybody out, you know, get a diverse cast and – Maddie and I had this inside joke last season about doing a podcast together. So I thought, okay, as soon as I get a, a podcast that isn't affiliated with the radio station that I work for that you guys don't have a working relationship with, <laughs> which is fine. Like that's the, that's the way the business works. I was like, well, I got to get Maddie on now. Like, ha ha. Then I got Barry on because it was the week that Russell Westbrook was coming back. And obviously Ooh, you can make those connections. Good timing. Yeah. Make those connections there. And it's like, well, I need, I need to complete the trifecta of the Oklahoman, uh, Thunderbeat. So now, Joe, you here, are here. I am. Last but certainly not least, but there is a, quite a few things to talk about. Um, I mean, we already kind of, I guess, 
the last time I did a podcast was Friday before the Milwaukee game. So I guess let's touch on this a little bit because this is the last time that we saw this team. But look, 47-point defeat is awful. It, it's terrible. But I don't know about you, Joe. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just silly. I really feel like that the leadership on this team is much too strong. The chemistry on this team is much too strong that I really don't think it's going to linger that much. As much as a 47-point defeat would for some other teams. Yeah, I mean, it was a historic loss. It's the worst loss in Thunder history, yet I think it will have almost zero lingering effects like on this season. I really think it's a game. I mean, we just talked to Chris Paul, and he was like, we're not even thinking about it. Billy Donovan said the same thing. It's just one of those, they played the best team in the league on the second night of a back-to-back. Didn't have Gallinari. I know the Bucks didn't have Chris Middleton, but it was just like, I didn't expect them to lose by 47. Yeah. yeah. But the second half didn't even matter. Like, the, the game was just totally out of hand. Yeah, and it, it kind of made it all the more weird when, like, I try to remember at one point, especially in the second quarter, at one point the Thunder were down by, like, three. Yeah, like, they were, like, like, five minutes to go before halftime. Yeah, they were, like, they kind of gave you the idea that, man, are they going to do this again? Are they going to make this a game in the fourth quarter? Hi, Paris. <laughs> no problem. Classic Thunder <laughs> prep training facility. Have a good one. Paris Olsen does a great job covering the Thunder for the Thunder. Um, maybe I need to get her on next. I already had you on, Christine. Stop looking at me like that. I like the behind-the-scenes sound. I know. Like The first time I did a podcast in here was back when I first started covering the team. So it was like when I wrote for Thunder Digest, uh, rest in peace, peak and roll podcast. Uh, I did it with Fred Katz and Nick Gallo like walked, was leaving and he just kind of sat in for like a few minutes and just joined the podcast. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Nice. It's a good guest. No, um, but I guess before let's put a bow on this Milwaukee loss. Um, th- the other story was just Danilo Gallinari, obviously not playing. I tried my best, Joe, pre-game for the Sacramento game to ask Billy in uh, in a roundabout roundabout way, like if there's a difference in philosophy because, you know, the trade deadline has come and gone. This is the team that they're rolling with. Every game now has a different meaning than it did prior to the trade deadline. Every player now has, now has a different value now. Does that shift? Does that philosophy shift? And you basically have the idea of, like, let's go all in. Well, Billy didn't lie to me. He said nothing's changed, nothing's going to change, and Danilo missed his fifth consecutive second night of a back-to-back. Not that he would have made a huge difference, but the Thunder have two more back-to-backs. They've got one tomorrow night and then Wednesday. I know they got that L.A. one in April. All these games are starting to count, and not being able to count on Danilo Gallinari on the second night of a back-to-back, especially who knows how long it's going to take Darius Baisley to get back. I I don't know. That kind of concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this is just – Every, everyone's to the point where, like, we all know that Danilo Gallinari is not going to play on the second night of yeah. a back-to-back. <laughs> he did at the very beginning of the season. Um, if he's home on the second night of a back-to-back, they can they can put that rest designation on him. When they're away, they've got to they've got to make up some level of soreness. Something has to be sore. Um, I joked that- on the Thunder Buddies <laughs> podcast that one time it was like thumb in parentheses sore, and I was like, is that a is that like a sore on his thumb or is his thumb <laughs> sore? I need I need the is clarification this, is here. Is this the bubonic plague? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> he brought it from Italy. No, but that's this time it was the ankle and it's just it's just kind of a funny thing in the NBA. We were talking about it before the game. We knew that was gonna happen. Yeah. And again, Danil Gallinari in his nineteen points per game, maybe the Thunder lose by thirty five, and that's just <laughs> as bad, <laughs> but um, yeah, at the end of the day. 
I guess, you know, this coming back-to-back against L.A. and then Detroit on the road, uh, probably going to assume he's going to miss the sixth uh, second night of a back-to-back. But hopefully the Thunder just perform a little bit better for Thunder fans because I know that was probably hard for them to watch on Friday. But now moving forward, my question like about the Clippers, and I don't really know how you feel about them, so I guess we'll, I'll just straight up ask you. Do you have a problem with teams, especially teams that haven't won anything? Kawhi has won. Like mm-hmm. He won his title last year. He won a title with the Spurs. He's probably 1A, 1, 1B, 1C with Giannis or LeBron as the best player in the league. Do you have a problem with teams that just have this idea of, like, we'll play guys some nights, we'll play mix-match guys other nights, we'll turn it on when we care? I don't – no. The, the answer is no. I don't have a problem with it, and that's because of – how the Raptors handled Kawhi last year. And then you saw that it worked. Like, they totally catered to his schedule. You never knew when he was going to play. This year, I mean, they've hardly had any games where both Paul George and Kawhi are in the lineup together. It's been in and out. And it's like, it's March now, and I still don't know what the Clippers' ceiling looks like. And that's kind of a scary thought because maybe you need them to gel before the playoffs – but man, they're going to be a tough out when they're all together. Yeah, I've heard the Toronto example used. You know, when I asked this question to other people, and I, I understand it. And look, like I agree. Like I don't know what their ceiling is, and I mean that in a, in a complimentary mm-hmm. way. Like I, their ceiling, I know, is pretty damn high. I just don't know if it's higher than LeBron's and the Lakers. I don't know if it's higher than Giannis's and Milwaukee. Um, but I feel like if you're going to use the Toronto example. I feel like it's easier to do that with one player around the team as opposed to yeah. two foundational superstars and then even a handful of other other guys, like high-end role players on their team. Like Some nights they play, sometimes they don't. I just don't know if you can just stroll into the playoffs and do that. And from the Thunder's perspective, no, I don't think anybody asked them today unless I didn't hear it, but I wonder if it just makes it all the more difficult. Like, you know what players they have, and you have familiarity with them, but you have no idea who's going to play. You don't really have that much film to back it on. Like, they're playing a, a new team tomorrow night, and I just wonder how difficult that is to prepare for. Once the game starts, it's like it's different. But mm-hmm. in terms of preparation, it must be a little difficult. Yeah, and, you know, I I expect Kawhi and Paul George both to play tomorrow, but Hopefully. I guess we for sure don't know. Uh, Kawhi missed both of those previous games against the Thunder. But – so he's played in 47 games. Paul George has played in 38 games. Kawhi is averaging career highs in points, rebounds, and assists this year. 27 yeah. points, 7.5 rebounds, 5.2 assists. So something is clearly working. Now, Paul George's numbers, for the most part, are all down. Um, I think he's like legitimately has dealt with more serious injuries this year. Um, you know, the shoulders are giving him problems. He had a hamstring injury. So... But when when those if they can get those two guys healthy, it's not only the offense, like just the defense that they have on the perimeter is going to be crazy to watch. But yeah, they're like until the playoffs start, they're impossible to game plan against because you have no idea who's going to play for them. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. 
Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. And welcome back to the Locked on Thunder podcast, everybody. Once again, I'm joined by the Oklahoma's Joe Masato. Joe, what's your Twitter handle? Is it just... It's at Joe underscore Masato. M-U-S-S-A-T-O or T-T-O? T-T-O, yeah. Two S's, two T's. Yes. So follow Joe, please. Do yourself a favor. Also on the Thunder Buddies podcast with Maddie Lee and Barry Trammell occasionally will pop in. It's always fun when Barry pops in, I'm sure. No, um... Really quick, just personally, because we talked about this the other night, um, how is going, because you, of course, covered the OU beat, um, Oklahoma sports for the Oklahoma before getting moved over to the Thunder beat, and just what is that change like? Because I would assume going from college football where every game is on the same day, mm-hmm. you're talking to the coach and the players on X, Y, and Z days, it just seems like it, it would be much easier to plan and not as stressful. That is exactly correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, my life had some semblance of order when I was covering <laughs> college football. I knew what to expect every week. Um, Lincoln Riley pressers on Monday, talk to the offense Monday night, defense Tuesday night, and you've got each day to tell a story leading up to that game. The NBA, I I mean, I, I knew what the schedule was going in, but like when you're in it, it's just crazy. Like Everything has a short shelf life the the storylines are are so fast you know especially back-to-backs like everything's just kind of a blur and you never really know what day of the week it is what month it is sometimes so it's crazy now what's been your uh, favorite story that you've written so far for the thunder or for the oklahoma on the thunder oh man that's a little tough just it was a fun story but like the Danilo Gallinari like anthem that they play little snippets oh, of yeah. in the arena. I talked to the guys. It's actually a Swedish rock slash like satirical band um, <laughs> who they were friends with Jonas Jerebko, who is friends with Gallinari, and yeah. they put each other in touch. And to talk to those guys about just like clowning around writing a song about Danilo Gallinari mm-hmm. um, was quite fun. Did you write the story about Shay's mom? I did, yeah, yeah, being a former Olympian. Yeah, so that's that's really cool. Like mm. I I found that story interesting because Shay's mom was an Olympic sprinter and Shay does not move fast at all on the court. <laughs> so just like the contrast of styles, like you would expect like De'Aaron Fox's mom or something mm-hmm. to be an Olympic sprinter, not Shay Gilgis Alexander. So yeah, that was pretty cool. And like Shay talks about his mom quite a bit and how he's like, yeah, she tells me I suck all the time. Like <laughs> she, She's an elite athlete Get faster. Who's, who's very hard <laughs> on her son. So that's interesting. No, and like the thing about Shay, I mean, I don't, I don't know like how you feel about his growth, you know, long term, but at least with this, with this season, I think everyone's a little not shocked in a bad way, but shocked at the leap that he's made. I mean, you got to really think about it. And yeah, there, there are reasons for that. He has a much bigger responsibility with the Thunder than he did with the Clippers. He's not lower in the pecking order, so he's going to have more opportunities, and he's already talented enough to be able to score at a, at a high clip, you know, more times than not. But really, like, just much like the Clippers and how I don't know what their ceiling is, I really don't know what Shea's ceiling is, either either in the short term with this season 
Like, we don't know what type of guy he's going to be in the playoffs. We saw him dominate the Warriors in that game five where they mm-hmm. came back and won. He was the best player on the floor for that particular evening. So he's have something. he has something under his belt. But in the stretch run of the regular season and then into the postseason, like, the Thunder are going to need to count on Shea to not have a lot of these hiccup games where he's scoring 11 or 12 points and he's inefficient from the floor not finishing at the rim. Like, this is where, like, we should all really pay attention to him just – from the standpoint of that Chris Paul's the leader of this team and he's the clutch guy late, but Shay, like you've got to drive it home, especially like all these back-to-backs coming up the schedule, having some tough games here and there. It's going to come down to Shay, in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, first off it is, they've got to be so encouraged with the leap he has made from year one to year two. I think only Trey young has, has had a higher leap as far as like just points per game um, from year one to two. So with that being said, like, it's kind of fun and difficult to project forward. Like if the Thunder, you know, three, four, five, whenever years from now, um, if they develop into a, you know, a really good team, perhaps a title contending team, like is he a number one option or is he a number two option? Just like how does he sort of fit in? Yep. Um, and that's hard to know. He's 21 years old in his second season, but like he flashes elite skills on offense um, you know, he's he's been better as a passer this year than he was last year. Defensively, I, I mean, he's been a very good rebounder. He's a very good rebounding guard, but, like, he's got to be a little sharper, I think, defensively and use that six-foot-six frame, not be, you know, he has bad closeouts on shooters a lot of times and, and runs right past them. And it's funny because, like, at Kentucky, everyone – who like scouted him and talked about him. They talked about that defense and how the offense, hopefully the offense comes, but the defense is already there and his pro career has kind of been the opposite. Yeah, now again, for the listeners who may not know, Joe, you did cover Kentucky. Yep. And covered Shea and Hami at Kentucky. So was there for two years. Yeah. And it, it is interesting though. Like the thing about his on ball defense, like I've always thought, I mean, even going into the season, I thought like there are going to be some good moments. There are going to be a lot of inconsistent moments and bad moments, even and to me, it's just that's going to be natural because while he did showcase a little bit of that with the Clippers, I asked Doc Rivers about it um, when the Clippers came to town when the Thunder beat them a, a few months ago. And Doc just highlighted, well, we didn't put him on the opponent's best or second best pl- or wing player on offense um, with us because we had other guys that were higher in the pecking order. With the Thunder, he has a little bit more of a larger defensive responsibility. So I think all the inconsistencies and the, f- you know, the failures, even – offensively so like the Marcus Smart strip and I've said it on this podcast a guy like Shea that's a high IQ basketball player that's that's willing to be coached that's willing to learn and has a lot of physical gifts in his own right I think all the the failures or the inconsistencies are 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 good Mm -hmm. I think they're a good thing for this season that had there's no expectation like Thunder fans don't have expectations for this team they might think yeah they can make it to the second round and they if they think that they will be disappointed if they don't make it to the second round but this is the year to like fail or to put a lot of bad stuff on film so that once expectations come in and you're the guy now, Shay, you put all that together. So when he does have a consistent defensive games, I kind of like it Mm -hmm. from a development standpoint. Yeah. And like Billy has said some similar things to that, that, you know, he liked when he, he mentioned a couple games that he liked when he struggled to, to learn from those experiences. And I think, you know, if I was, in the Thunder organization, I would just be so encouraged by his like makeup and just the way he composes himself. And like, he's, he seems at least on our limited times talking to him, he seems very mature. He seems very put together. 
and a guy who like doesn't get rattled even when he makes those mistakes and you're like wow this guy is like it's like playing beyond his years sort of thing it sounds cliche but like Shea is that guy like there's never any concern about like off the court stuff or like uh, how he's going to handle tough situations so like if it's just like little basketball things that they're worried about like that'll get taken care of like he's on a good track yeah and you know having said having said that like and this is just a gut feeling because like you said he's 21 he's second year in his um in the league and we don't even know what a team run by Shea Gillis Alexander is like but Mm -hmm. that I feel like fans media sometimes if a player is not easily rattled then the the uh criticisms of well do they are they do they have the killer instinct I I don't I'm not worried about that with Shea there's just something about him especially being around Chris Paul exactly I was going to get into that you know like I'm not worried about Shea now he might not be a great number one for all we know. We don't know that, but I, I I feel like the desire and the attitude is there for him to be, to have the foundation to be like the, what the Thunder want him to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, and to get to the Chris Paul thing, like, is is there a player you could you would rather want to put him around? <laughs> like exactly. he's, you know, e- even when we go out out to practice and see them at at the tail end of practice. It's usually those two on a court by themselves, either doing some sort of three-point contest or just joking around with each other. When they did that first L.A. back-to-back, Chris actually flew uh, Shea and Darius Baisley out there with him um, to help out with one of his basketball camps, like, ahead of the team. Like, they, mm-hmm. they just went together. So, like, Chris sees something in Shea, and, and Shea is like a sponge around Chris. He He's always around them. They're always, like, you know, back and forth. Uh, poking fun at each other in the locker room and to see that relationship that's got to be encouraging because if Shea was like turned off by how Chris like is a leader or like manages this team I think it'd be a bad sign but now you're seeing him learn from like maybe the the most competitive guy in the NBA yeah and, and the personalities mesh really well in some weird scenario where Shea is playing on a team with Russell Westbrook, I have no doubt that Shea would probably like Russell Westbrook because when players play with Russell Westbrook, they like his killer instinct. Mm-hmm. They like that he goes to war with them. But that those two personalities would not mesh in terms no. of how they how they attack the game of basketball, if that makes sense. So I don't know what you could learn if you're Shea Gilles Alexander from Russell Westbrook other than they're the enemy, go kill them. Yeah. <laughs> and as far as, like, not, not to bash Russ, but, like, the on-court stuff – Chris is, I mean, Chris is the team's fourth leading scorer. Like, that would obviously not happen with Russ, nor should it. But, like, the the basketball opportunities would not be as great for Shea this year, I don't think, as they have been with Chris. Like, Chris is comfortable taking that role and and setting things up. The only, I don't know if it's a concern, but, like, I still think it's to be determined if, like, Shea is a long-term point guard. He's comfortable playing yeah. off ball. So, that, that's the only thing I would you know, be curious about. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. 
J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And then, Joe, right before I get, um, one more thing before I get you out of here. It's uh, something that I seem to forget about all the time unless I get asked about it, like on my hits on the radio. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. It's Billy Donovan's contract. And I'm... I'm not necessarily worried for his long-term future with the Thunder. I'm, you know, I have my opinions. I've said it like I'm, I would be shocked if he's not the coach moving forward. Um, I just, from a performance standpoint this season, he certainly deserved an extension. Um, and the Thunder do think highly of him, but how, how do you feel about just the, the idea of like, let's just play devil's advocate here. Let's say that Billy's not retained. Like, what does that do for a franchise, you know, that's investing a lot into a young player like Shea Gilles-Alexander, whose short-term future is not really known? Like, we don't know when Chris Paul is going to be able to be traded at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. We don't know if the sign-in trade, Danilo Gallinari thing is going to happen. So, to me, if the Thunder don't retain Billy Donovan, that puts their future in a much darker cloud, I feel, than it is with him now. Having said that, if you're a Thunder fan who doesn't think that highly of Billy Donovan, I, I understand. I, I get that. I'm not going to argue. I think Billy's a fine coach. I think he's a good coach. Um, but I think for longevity, you need to keep that consistency. And Shea and the young guys seem to really appreciate Billy Donovan's style of coaching. But just to play devil's advocate, I mean, if he's not retained, A, what is your reaction? And B, what does that do? Does that alter your opinion of the Thunder's optimistic future moving forward? I don't know if it alters my opinion of the future, but if he wasn't retained, I would be very, very surprised. Just given that, like, I know Coach of the Years have been fired before, but <laughs> yeah. he's uh, the he's, Thunder about to play one in a few days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but you know, it's probably a battle between between Billy and Nick Nurse as far as Coach of the Year. Maybe Brad yeah. Stevens is in there. Mike Budenholzer if they win seventy games, but um, so so my first reaction w- would be very surprised. The, the other part of this is, like, all this talk of a rebuild and who knows what's going to happen this summer. Like, maybe maybe it's on Billy. Maybe he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. Yeah. I, I have no idea and wants to go chase another opportunity. So, so that could be another side of it. The one thing that, you know, I guess could make sense if he wasn't retained is you've seen a lot of rebuilding projects. And, again, who knows how deep into a rebuild the Thunder will actually go. But you try to match up. Maybe you have a coach for the rebuild and then a coach for when you're good again. Um, an exception to that is like Brett Brown. He's been with the Sixers through it all. So I don't know. It's a it's a good question. You're right. It's like something we don't really talk about a lot and, you know, is not on the forefront of my mind, even though it probably should be. Um, but, yeah, it's it's kind of a fascinating topic for uh, for, for when the season ends. Is like what what is that next step? Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting just to – it would make sense that Billy Donovan would actually appreciate a rebuild just because of in, in, all the questions that he got going into this season. So you were a successful college coach with a bunch of 18, <laughs> 19, 20-year-olds. You're now going to be coaching a lot of 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Does that feel better? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it would make sense. But again, like he's at a different stage in his life. He's older. That could very well be on his mind as well. But mm-hmm. I would just be interested, you know, just to straight up ask him that. Like, are you interested in 
in a rebuild mode. And, you know, Billy would give a Billy Donovan answer, of course. Yeah, would not get a good answer out of that, but it's a totally fair question, just not something that he'd probably want to speak publicly about. Well, with that, Joe, um, anything you're working on down the pipe that you want to pump, get people excited, ready for? Um, Well, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm not afraid to give too much away, but I don't want to give too much away, but um, there's a for the Boston game on Sunday, there's a really cool local connection of a former um, kind of a star point guard in, in the Boston area who never really had much of a college or NBA career, but he's got a pretty cool connection with Sam Presti in the front office, so I'm going to write about him okay. for that. That's good. I'm excited for that one. Um, Joe, thank you so much for jumping on Locked on Thunder. I appreciate it. And we went through this whole thing without talking about Reggie Bullock. <laughs> Is there is there time or is it? Oh, of course there's time. Of course there's time. (laughs) So Joe, Joe and I, um, was it the last? Was it the Kings game? Was that Thursday night? I think so. Thursday Thursday night we're hanging out, and um, I don't know why um, Chris Paul wearing Reggie Bullock's jersey came up, but I was like, was that whose whose jersey was that? Because when I saw it. I thought it was just a customized jersey that would have said Leon Rose's last name. Leon Rose, his, <laughs> yeah. his now former agent, who's now the GM for the New York Knicks. I was like, okay, I didn't put too much thought in it. And you're like, no, it was Reggie Bullock. And I was like, what? It was Reggie Bullock. Like it was, <laughs> it was, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like, I, uh, I think it's just so hilarious. Like Chris Paul, a superstar Hall of Famer, wearing a jersey of Reggie Bullock. Who, no slight to Reggie Bullock, but like. He if was, you were if if a question was like all right name the most random NBA player you can think of, it'd be a it'd be a great response if someone was like Reggie Bullock I'd be like wow that's a good one that's wow random. you know some you know a deep cut he's like a <laughs> he's averaging like seven points a game for his career just bounced around with several different teams the one connection they do have is they they're both from North Carolina so maybe that's it but my. Maybe that's my favorite moment this season is Chris Ball wearing a Reggie Bullock jersey. Yeah, and like I, th- I think my brain went from like, wait, are, is he also a Leon Rose, you know, client? So like, is that the connection? And you brought up the North Carolina thing. I was like, okay. And then we like kind of took a deep dive into he was drafted in the 2013 draft. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> and then we just we went through round one and round two, and it's like, it yeah, I, I know that draft is bad, but when you like every once in a while when you look at it, it's just like this is. This is trash. <laughs> it was it was bad, but that was fun. So thanks to Chris Paul for wearing that jersey because it gave us a good laugh. And, and props to Reggie Bullock for, you know, sticking around in the NBA. I know. I mean, <laughs> we're, like we're, we laugh at it, but look, he's he's making a lot of money playing basketball. And I'm sure I, w- I would love to be in his position. So <laughs> shout out to Reggie Bullock. But Joe, thank you once again for jumping on Locked on Thunder. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, that was fun. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.